0: Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for jumping on today. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure. I always like talking to you, Chris. Yeah. I mean, we, we got together just a few days ago in Joplin. So I, I said, hey, we need to record some of this conversation so I can share it with, with other folks. So thanks for making time for it. Yeah, no problem. We have a little, uh, we're a little light on the great Thai cuisine, but we'll do our best anyway. Here. <laughs> that was good. I, I have a friend who's in Joplin regularly. So I've already told him, hey, you need to Let's stop by Canary, right? Was the name of the yeah, book?
1: Yeah, it's Canary.
0: I don't know yeah. how to pronounce it, but yeah, yeah, yes, you can track it that way. All right, so the book is out The Whole Mystery of Christ, creation is or incarnation as creation in Maximus the Confessor. Talk to us a little bit about it. It came out what September this year, so just a couple months ago.
1: Well, so it's the official date was October 15th, but people started getting the book like two
0: weeks before that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And the response, at least from everything I've seen, has been terrific. So talk to me a little bit about how what you're hearing from people who've who've had the chance to read the book.
1: Yeah, it's uh I, I've remarked on this before a little bit. It's <clears throat> uh, it's really just I just take a moment to reflect on this. It's a little bit it's an interesting experience. I'm sure one you've had several times now, where this is some some stuff I wrote kind of years ago at this point. Yeah. You know, at it's, least a lot of it, not all of it, you know, the the writing yeah. process. It's weird but um there i would say a good substantial report especially because this was a kind of revised version an expanded version of a my dissertation that i did on maximus at boston college so so some of that stuff i mean some of the early stuff yeah i wrote almost you know four or five years ago so it's it's really fun to like share it now and kind of like it's out there everyone can read and look at it and you know question it and deride it and no but uh (laughs) um but nevertheless it's an interesting it's sort of this weird uh like whiplash because i'm you know there have been times where people have well like, go quote it or say, say or send me something and i'm like wow oh, okay i didn't remember that, that i wrote that so <laughs> but yeah i mean so what i've heard thus far is there are you know sort of different rumblings i mean it is still fresh enough that I, you know and it, and the book is i don't know it's if you include the end notes which is which is the format they chose um you know, it's like 330 pages, right. which isn't, which isn't a small book. And I, and I think on top of that, and this really reflects more about Maximus, I think than than me, it's, it's dense. I mean, there are, there are parts that are difficult to, to read, even, even though I'm trying to schematize it and, and clarify and give an organization to it. So, um, so I think, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. There's, there's going to be like a more official book launch, I think in early December, uh, oh, with father john bear and um, good a few other people so and then there's there's some things things scheduled for the coming months but um i think the yeah the initial responses have been positive there were already some you know from certain folks uh <laughs> there were some um you know questions or even objections in a few cases Prior to even the book's publication. Right. Yeah. Mostly around questions about person, how person relates to nature, which of course are age-old questions. These are
0: mm-hmm.
1: perennial divides, uh, one way or the other. So, but I, I think I do think that the people that I, I have spoken with that have trudged through the whole thing have realized that, you know, the book is not it's not just about that issue. It is that is an extremely important aspect of the of the book and what I call Christologic in the first chapter which does need to distinguish between especially in Christology between the person of Christ and then what the Council of Chalcedon you know will say the two natures of Christ the person and the nature how do those differ really because I mean if there's one and two obviously they differ so how do they differ and then and then really and I think this is the part that had gotten left out in, in earlier pre-publication critiques of the book that were aired um, how they relate anew that's that's the rest of it
0: right Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, it isn't
1: just that person and nature are different that's that's a the point there and I call it crystal logic just just this is a little bit it's gonna sound in the weeds but I think it's important for for the framework of the whole book I call it crystal logic both because on the one hand I'm right I, i'm appealing to logos the person the word of the, the person of the word yeah. uh but also because it is an initial it's a contemplation right it is a the theoria in greek a sort of visioning with the mind uh which is in some sense always artificial and so you you when i talk about distinguishing say the logic of hypostasis or hypostasis in greek person versus the logic of nature um, you know, that this is an initial moment in our mm-hmm. contemplation, but it is not the end. So the further part of what I call crystal logic is, again, how do they relate in new ways, perhaps previously unconceived or malconceived or uh, prematurely conceived uh, ways? How, what are the new ways in which we we gain new insights into what it even means for us to be persons, right? And yes, to be certain kinds of being, like what what our nature is as human beings, um, in the light of the the event with the capital E, the event, the Christ event, the incarnation of God in the middle, which mm-hmm. reveals my book art tries to argue with Maxus, the incarnation of God in the middle reveals the whole logic of the beginning. In the middle and the end of creation. So, um, so anyway, my, my point on all that to answer your question is that I think people that have read have really spent the time to read through the book, and I'm really grateful for them for doing that. Kind of realize that it's it is much more about a much bigger vision, yeah. um, <clears throat> which you can't really do justice to Maximus without attempting this much bigger vision. I mean, it's called the whole mystery of Christ, yes, right? Yes, and and I know that sounds presumptuous in a way. It's a little bit, but but actually is a that's a that's a line from maximus himself it's not mine but um um you know it's an attempt to to really get a kind of framework or if you like a prism through which we can contemplate the many mysteries in the christian faith uh around the mystery which maximus calls like, the incarnation is the source of all miracles he says yeah um and so that's what i try to do and i think that's what the book really wanted to do was to is to have, give a kind of provocative uh, on maximus as an authority a provocative and rich soil from which we might grow or in which we might grow in our contemplation of the whole mystery of christ and all of its many many basically infinite facets and so right. well yeah, yeah there absolutely. that's that i think people have because I, I guess I'm just saying this because because of the, of the I don't know if I would call it a controversy, but because of a little bit of the uh, initial critiques about what I do with person and nature from, from some well-known figures, um, it, I think probably some people got the idea that it's mostly just a technical a book on Christology, you know, and using yeah. Maximus. But it really is about, I think, contemplating that greater vision.
0: Yeah, that greater vision that is, in fact, all... The whole mystery of Christ is that Christ is all in all, right? That all things hold together in him. Yeah. That he is the beginning, the middle, and the end of each thing and all things. So yeah, that that brings me to, I've I've described you and this book to others as a kind of maximalist reading of Maximus. And what I meant by that, and I don't have the introduction in front of me, but in the introduction of the book, you mentioned someone, another scholar, who refers to the... Hyperbolic doxology—I think that's the phrase. It might be doxological hyperbole. But <laughs> essentially, in her reading, Maximus sometimes gets carried away with himself, and we have to—we have to recognize that it's a kind of—it it needs to be tamed a bit, brought back down to earth, right? And your reading, at least as as I've heard it and taken it in, is to say, no, 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 we should get carried away with him. So maybe talk to me a bit about first of all you think that's fair am i characterizing you rightly but if if i am and i'm betting that i am then talk a little <laughs> bit about the what what is the good of that way of doing theology that kind of no holds barred open to, to to the wildness of that whole mystery rather than trying to to tame it or draw it back down to the categories we're already adjusted to
1: Yes, so there's two levels to a response I'll give to that that question. One one would just be, you know, if I'm putting on my kind of nerdy historic historical glasses, you know, and exegetical, like, interpretive glasses, it really was the case for me autobiographically even, that, I, as I always say, really three weeks into uh, a course on Maximus that I honestly haphazardly ended up getting into, I didn't even really intend to, and I didn't intend to write on Maximus at all. Um, within three weeks of just reading him, and specifically his *Ambigu*, at that point, I just knew um, that this was a thinker that was worth spending time to. This was a master of the of Christian thought that was worth apprenticing myself to. Right? Okay, so there's that. Well, then the que- the next question is, what does he mean when he says these <laughs> these things? Is it You know, you you can't just revere a text from afar. It isn't a it isn't a cold object that, or sort of a corpse that you have to uh, you know um, you have to examine uh, post mortem. It's it's a living thing, and so and so you have to ask yourself what what does this thing mean? What is it saying? What does it signify? What what is its spirit even? And so um, and so on that level, on just the level of trying to understand the texts. I, I kind of quickly realized that not everyone, by the way, I mean, I, I don't want to be, you know, uh, there has been a little, I guess I should throw this out. There has been a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if it's a critique, but just a, a, a caution, which I think is understandable to, to connect to the first question that some people are sort of like, you know, it sounds like Jordan is saying like everyone got Maximus wrong for all these years and he's finally come along to, you know, yeah. clear clear it all up or whatever. And, um, and it, it isn't what I think. I mean, I don't think scholarship that works that way. I don't think thinking generally works that way. And I right. certainly don't think Christian thought works that way. And I think anyone familiar with the Christian tradition knows that. I don't think, uh, you know, Karl Barth or, uh, or, or Bonhoeffer would somehow say that, all oh, their insights were arrived at simply by authentic self-expressions in a romantic way, right. right? Even the people that they disagree with, St. Thomas Aquinas certainly said that. He even said, you should be thankful for heretics for that exact reason, uh, yeah. because they prod you and they great right, insight you and that's an old that's an old trope but i think it's true and so that's just as true here however you're right you i agree with you that the framework of my book and i did intend intentionally frame it this way like rhetorically was you know um Maximus says these things, like right, the, the central text of the book, in 722, the word of God, very God, wills always and in all things to actualize the mystery of his incarnation, always and in, in all things. Yeah. Or how about where the book's title comes comes from? Question 60, question Telosius 60, where he says, you know, um in christ and he's really in context referring to the historical event the incarnation the birth of the word of god from the mother of god in christ all the ages and all of the creatures in those ages have received not just their end but their beginning hmm. they are key like their yeah. the principle yeah. their principle <clears throat> and so you know, and there's a million, uh, uh, well, a million, a lot of other texts in the whole book yeah. that I, I spent a lot right. of time discussing like that, that are very bold and they're very, they're kind of beautiful and charming and enchanting and perplexing. And so that's all over anybody, you know, that well, a lot of people, you know, any uh, your listeners that I'm sure have read Maximus are largely at your urging, you know, you know that you can't go very far in Maximus when you run into these texts, like, oh my goodness, this is a, this is breathtaking. And, but the question is, you can be perplexed all you want right before a text like that and then the next question of course always comes back to that boring historical interpretive one. well what does it what does this actually mean though? right 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 and so on that level you know of course what what do you what does a good nerd like you and me do whenever <laughs> whenever we're really interested in a text uh, especially an old one well you go to books on them <laughs> you go yes. to other scholars and I did find lots of help there I there's no way that I could could have thought what I think now without the the help of those scholars especially certain ones like Hans von Balthasar right um <clears throat> Polycarp Sherwood who was a Benedictine monk who was a great scholar Maximus Paul Blowers is a friend of mine now I consider and right all these different people so I'm not Father Maximus Constance I took courses with him so, uh, and, and I don't in uh, any anyway bind any of them to my conclusions, but nevertheless, like, I, I, yeah. I'm de- different to all these people. However, I hadn't, I had never fully, even with Balthazar, who I think was the closest for me, yeah. and yeah. I would add in the greater picture of things, especially in the West, the other person that's closest is Ari Ujina, John. Mm. John John Scotus Eriugena, and i yeah. I've
0: got a question about him for later. Yeah, yeah. good, good. I'm
1: actually just rereading uh, rereading the whole Periphyseon because there's yeah. some stuff I'm working on, and I'm 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 very impressed by him. But um, so, um, but yes, I I wanted to say, you know, a lot of I think that that scholar you mentioned, her name is Anna Williams. She's a good scholar. She wrote a great book on Palamas and uh, Aquinas, where you find this uh, statement. What I wanted to say in the introduction was, I think she really is just saying pretty uh with a refreshing honesty what a lot of people perform which is they get to this these texts and they say well like knowingly or not they insert a lot of other qualifications which basically amount to well surely doesn't exactly mean that as stated right right i mean always in and all things his incarnation i mean isn't what about the primacy of christ what about christ as the exceptional sort of amazing miracle and in some theologies right an event that maybe even couldn't have wouldn't have happened at all had it not been for the fall or something right a sort of response so how can he say that that always and in all things that that's the eternal will of god and elsewhere he calls it the divine counsel which is the perfection or fulfillment is the word the fulfillment of the divine essence is the incarnation always and all i mean what in the world right and so a lot of people read these statements and i think understandably because because questions arise like well hold on if that's if that's true yeah then x y and z let's like raise Mm -hmm. questions or objections or perplexities and so rather than than do that i think most of the course other than with the exception of a few scholars, most of the, most people have taken the other course, which is which is what she just says clearly, which is, you know, this is hyperbolic doxology. Um, he's just kind of getting carried away with his own rhetorical and poetic brilliance and expression.
0: Right, right.
1: And so, uh, yes, very much so. My book was originally the dissertation and then the, the book, especially more so, because I expanded quite a bit. It really is just an exercise on one level of, well, That's one way we can go and many have gone. I want to try this other way, which is a a road less traveled, if you will, uh, which says, let's just see if we can accept what what he seems to be saying with great precision, by the way. I always add this, right? Maximus was not a mind to sort of be sloppy with his words and his precision. He ends up being tortured as an 80-year-old for precision in Christology. So it did seem on the surface a little bizarre to me. If he would just be at the same time haphazardly throwing out these descriptions of say creation as incarnation, the way I put it, at least. So, I wanted to see what what would follow. Hmm. Both both for other parts of his thought, other writings, uh, for for certain anomalies and seeming even seeming contradictions in his thought that people have noted or danced around, would they be better eliminated if maybe we took him more seriously than his other texts? Uh, so there's that that level right the point is there's that level of kind of just exegetical it's what you want to it's what you want to do you want you want to pay respect to any great thinker is you want to presume coherence before you just make a judgment right, right. A criticism yeah and so that that on that level you could say that's almost as simple as my methodology really is I say a lot of other things but really it came down to that personally for me was I'm gonna presume that what seem on the surface like really big difficulties or at least big pills to swallow, maybe there's some deeper thing going on here. Hmm. Um, And so I'm going to see if that works out um, uh, on the level of the text. That's one level, but there's another level. The other level, and I do talk about this in the the, uh, somewhere in the preface or something. um, I kind of think in one other scholar and Father Joshua Lawler, pointed this out i think this is good and it's kind of in defense of balthazar and this is a way it's funny because my book i do i really did conceive it as a sort of response to balthazar's great book cosmic liturgy the the universe according to maximus the confessor um but and and for 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 the for the several places i disagree with balthazar and there's actually several that i do agree with him and even defend him against other scholars since uh one thing i don't disagree with him on is, is this approach to Maximus, which says, if he really is the brilliant and even perhaps for some inspired thinker or luminary in the Christian tradition that the East certainly has come to see that he is and the West, I think even more, or more so now in the last hundred or so years, then surely his thought and his way of thinking is worth emulating or imitating.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm
1: and this is a point that maximus makes about his own authorities yes saint gregory the theologian all yep. the way from saint gregory the theologian and to him saint dionysius the Areopagite, guy we might say Dionysius, but all the way to scripture yeah i mean how how often do we run into a scripture and we say you know well i mean that's i mean look uh to, to 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 come back to uh the title of the book you know we could go to ephesians 110 and say everything in heaven and on earth has been recapitulated in him yeah yeah in christ i mean i mean everything really right isn't creation kind of one thing and then the yeah. incarnate uh, christ is sort of another thing later on the later a later episode on the stage or the drama of creation yeah. right so so you have to start you're you're stirred mm-hmm. your mind and your spirit is stirred to think deeper so one thing that I kind of came to see was that in fact, of course, this can be abused, and and you know, so you know, you have to sort of take my word for it, I suppose, but to really revere or venerate even or at least respect the, the thinker and the spirit of Maximus as it comes through in his writings, I I I probably ought to imitate the way he interacts with his own authorities.
0: Yes, right
1: including like from scripture and for him, the fathers and tradition, which is to say, I'm going to presume that the generative power of their thought is nearly, or if actually limitless. Mm. And this is where, why I think, as I, as I make the little case in the the beginning, I think obviously you need to be responsible historically and you can't just make stuff up. However, as we do with scripture, which is inspired itself uh, what what we do with that is we presume that there are depths there that are not simply floating on the surface but that you have to dive into in order to see yeah. you you can't predict ahead of time yeah. where the bottom is if there is one at all
0: yeah can i can i jump in to draw yeah. attention to for those who are not yet tracking the point you're making so it's ambiguum 21 right mm-hmm. where he he points out what looks to be a mistake in gregory And then he essentially says, well, that can't be right. Like there, obviously there's a depth here. I did not understand and leans and then and works out of that. This actually, my question about Ari that I wanted to ask is tied to the way he, he reads that. So talk to us a little bit about that, that particular ambiguum. Like what's he, what's the text, the John, the forerunner text. Yeah. How does he read it? And what does that say to us about a way of apprenticing yourself? What you were doing with Maximus he had done with yeah. gregory i think that may be a good concrete example of the point you're making
1: right so there's a there's a most of the ambigua are um are, are um responses to questions about obscure passages in the orations of saint gregory the theologian or saint gregory of nazianzus and what at one point one of his orations he he speaks he he mentions john the forerunner Clearly, if anyone is familiar with the gospels or John the forerunner, who is that? Well, that's John the Baptist, right? It's the the one who says, behold, the lamb of God, right? It's the one who announces the coming uh, judgment, the baptism with fire and water. so, or I I baptized with water, he baptized with fire. Um, So he's the forerunner. He's the voice, the voice of one crying in the desert. Well, St. Gregory, after mentioning John the forerunner, really goes on to quote, in reference the author of the gospel of john john the the evangelist and there's if you're just looking at it you know like a lot of scholars today if you're looking at Gregory's oration you would just most of them would just say look he just he slipped up I don't right. Know. He, right he said the wrong yeah, john yeah. he, he conflated elsewhere he knows there's there's two johns or whatever maybe more and um Maximus can't do that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> or he refuses to at least and he he says no. And you know, look, there's we can't psychologize too much but basically his presumption, the operative assumption when he approaches a, an authority like Gregory Nazianzus is almost it's it's identical to what Origen and others have said about scripture which is when you when you are confronted on the letter of the letter of the text on the literal level. When you're confronted with an absurdity or an obscurity or even a contradiction, a consistency in origins words, right? The Holy Spirit has arranged this as a, as a, as a kind of uh, a, a stumbling block to stir you on to, di- to dig deeper, right? And Maximus approaches his authorities even post-Scripture, the ones who are commenting on Scripture ultimately, because for him, by the way, it's the one word incarnating throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And through through the text and through its interpreters and through the readers and so on. Um he's you know, he's he approaches Gregory the same way. And so what he ends up saying is actually in, in this apparent inconsistency, it's confusion, what he was saying was that the gospel of John, well mo- most of us right, would consider the last or one of the later writings, yes, right. certainly the last of the gospels, perhaps. So there's debate. Um actually the gospel of john is the forerunner of what he calls quote the greater word hmm. yeah. right? you, you hear resonance there of like the whole mystery of christ right Absolutely. the greater right the incarnation always in all things and it opens up into this beautiful and long <laughs> uh, meditation on the way God, the word is present in his incarnation, the way he's present in this moment and the fullness to come, all of which the gospel of John, and therefore the author of that, that John, John the Evangelist, is forerunner and herald.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you he unfolds that. He's gonna do things like that all the time with with scripture as well in his other big work, the questions to Lossius. So um, so I think what I tried to do in the beginning of the book is like, look, I met. We we do live in a different time. There are other questions, obviously. I'm not pretending that I could simply go back in that time and just be be uh, sort of this office of Maximus directly. However, what I am trying to say is <clears throat> there's a kind of perhaps well intentioned, but I think ultimately unconvincing piety that might that actually is just a historicism that says we shouldn't say anything, almost like a conservatism, like a rigid one. We can't say anything beyond what Ma- uh, an authority like St. Maximus said. Yeah, right. Uh, but when they say that, of course, I want to say the exact thing that Maximus said in one of his later trials. Whenever somebody quoted an authority, St. Cyril, who yep. did in that text, in that, in that quote, seemed to be supporting what was called one energy of Christ. And Maximus was supporting a two energy view. We don't have to get to that. But the point was, it was an authority that seemed to be contradicting Maximus' teaching. And this bishop, who is actually questioning Maximus, you know, says, "What do you say about this text from Saint Cyril, who seems to contradict your teaching?" Maximus says, "Well, let's let's see what it means." He yeah. wants to go deeper, right? He doesn't just want to read the words. He want what is he really saying? And then the bishop says, "No, no, no. Do not elaborate on this text. Just stay with what the words say."
0: Yeah. And then Maximus, kind of literalist, exactly. you're reading, yeah.
1: And then Maximus says, brilliantly, please tell me the difference between staying with the words and elaborating on the words, which, of course, would be an elaboration. Yes. (laughs) Uh, and, And so it's a nice move, but it's more than a rhetorical move. It's a it's it's I think it's a it's a window into the way Maximus thinks. Yeah. And ultimately, he's not just saying some guys before me were really smart and surely they just meant really high, lofty things and they said they said they had higher uh, synthetic ideas than I do. He is saying that if the Word of God, who wills always in all things to accomplish the mystery of His is, of His incarnation, is in them, yeah, is inspiring them by the Spirit who brings to to birth the Word in any true authority, any true member of the body of Christ. Well then, surely that word, even if the person or the member didn't intend it, surely the word intends everything true. Yeah, yeah. And so it's the word who makes that yes accessible. And so what I wanted to do this is that's a kind of really bigger, like the higher level approach that I have to Maximus, which was says, well, why why shouldn't we imitate him when I go to expose it or to understand his own writings, given yep. that I consider him an authority. And a lot of Christians have considered in some level or another some kind of authority, perhaps even inspired, broadly speaking, or specifically. So so I try to do that, you know. So I'm on the one hand, I'm just on one level, I'm trying to take his words serious it's kind of funny because i'm kind of doing both at once i'm trying to say well let's take his words seriously as they're stated and then maybe that what seems as absurd to us on the on the surface will open up to a depth that has a much deeper coherence than than perhaps and in fact shouldn't we expect that if, if after all we can really something uh, learn something crucial uh about the whole mystery of christ from him
0: yeah and i think i my own thought here which i haven't run by you so i don't know what you'd make of it but I think that may be a reason if not the reason that Maximus is having a kind of revival at this moment like people are rediscovering his his work and it it is this sense of the indeterminacy of words and language and conversation and communication and his insistence and I think some of this he gets from origin some of this he works out on his own but it's this, and some of it, I think they get from scripture, in particular, the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Here's an example of what I mean. So, Origen says, both he and then later Maximus will draw attention to the fact that Hebrews says that the law is a shadow of the true forms of the reality that is to come. Mm-hmm. Right? So, they draw attention to the fact that the law is a shadow, but what we have is not that which is to come but the true form of that, which is to come. So origin will say outright, like the gospel, as we know, it is a better shadow than the law that was given by Moses, but it's still a shadow because the word is, is still beyond still to come, still coming. We're going to it. It's coming to us. Mm -hmm. And that, that sense of being on the way, you know, so Ambiguum 71, as you know, there's that passage about how all material things like we can't hold them they they won't stay fixed but what holds it all together is the play of the word the play yeah. of god and i i think one of the reasons perhaps maximus is having this moment is that we're living in a moment in which we're starting to feel and come aware of the indeterminacy of things right that yeah. there's always play Yes. And the question is going to be: Can we trust that that play is someone's play, and the play of Jesus in particular, Mary's son, and the son of the Father, or is it just meaningless deferral? Right. Yeah. So I, I think that may be something that it makes Maximus hard for people who are still operating in a, any kind of fundamentalist frame or any kind of frame that still seems to hold together. You, you have to reduce what Maximus is saying back to well that's exaggeration what he really means is this but i think the maximal way of reading him is the right one which is yes all of this is in some sense arbitrary all of this is in some sense shadow and yet it's someone's shadow right it's the shadow of this living word and that's why the whole mystery of christ really does encompass all things right so we're we're always on the move. And of course, that's also Gregory's ascent, right? We're always on the move up and further up and further in. But there is a but that's not a a despairing deferral, you know, hope deferred making the heart sick. That's this play, this intimacy with this word we already know. So talk a little bit about what do you think there's anything to that? That this is the moment where we most need a thinker who tells us not to be afraid. Yes. Of the uncertainty.
1: I, I, I absolutely I couldn't agree more. I, in fact, I wasn't I was talking to someone else I can't now re- recall what what interview it was but it was the point you're making is to me, I think they were even asking, you know, kind of kind of that question like why now you know and, and that's that's tough and I, as as origin himself also says you know it's it's uh, like almost only of he's saying this about evils but he says almost you know a fool would try to explain a particular evil and uh and only a wicked person would ask for an explanation but this isn't that you know i think there're they're, there it's okay more on, on the, it's okay more to to imagine and dream about god's goodness because that's that's infinite so uh I I answered that question almost exactly the way you were just articulating, Mm -hmm. which is, I would add just a few other things, but sort of, it's sort of just more developing the same point, which is one of the things that I wanted to communicate through the book was just how synthetic a mind, and I don't mean that in a kind of a hollow sense, like a a mathematical sense, uh, purely mathematical, in a certain way there's a mathematics to it, but uh, a, a synthetic means pulling together weaving together the threads which of a tapestry which which are right now all over the place on the ground Mm -hmm. a kind of i can't see anything it's a mess it's chaos and one way i like i used to illustrate this when i when i had students i would i would even open my intro class to say and say you know uh, just 100 years ago we knew of no other galaxy except the milky way Mm. yeah Now, now we can see about what two trillion yeah yeah. Each one of those has billions of suns of stars. Each yeah. one of those has perhaps dozens or, you know, five or six planets. I mean, and this is just the, the horizon is ever receding. Yes. Every time we think we've conquered, conquered a domain or we've peered into some sphere, we realize it is just a grain of sand. And 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 you know i'm I, here i recall pascal he speaks of the two infinities the infinity of the minuscule and the infinity of the magnitude and yes and, and here we are suspended between infinities and now for him at the at least in that text i'm thinking of this strikes fear in a way right this is a sort of it doesn't have to and i don't even think for him it always did um it can also it, it, that's actually a question right in light of the of, of the of the threads on the ground or of the ever receding uh, horizon or however you want to put it i do think we are living at a time maybe uniquely i mean i'm not sure I, i'm positioned to, to know that but in a certain way that there are so many things that seem to be spiraling apart from each other not just space time yeah <laughs> uh, not just space time although very much that but um but you know you go down to the quantum level or we could even get out of science we could just say like how about our greater awareness of of uh say human history itself yes yes i mean we have written records from what i don't know three four or five thousand years if you're talking about actual texts but or or like little inscriptions or little markings maybe up to ten thousand if you're just i've heard 50 you know if you've got cave paintings or something but um but you know, human beings were around for hundreds of thousands of years before that, yep. at least versions of it. Let's go to the planet, 4 billion years, let's go to the whole universe, right? Yep. Uh, so, so it's, a, it's, it's our, the smallness of our, the narrowness, the minuscule perception we have of our own history, let alone of the whole cosmos. And then, and then how about all of the social political upheaval and the new changes that have happened, just say in the last century, yep. right? And you can go down the list, Almost in any domain of human knowledge or investigation or inquiry, and what you feel—at least I do—is is a is a constant. Um, it's an ever receding horizon, and it can be dizzying and, and actually paralyzing. I've yeah. had students that said that to me, actually. Yeah. I, I you know they're not talking in a seminar setting, and I'm like. <laughs> Like, guys what's what's up like you know i'm trying to be cool here i'm a hip guy whatever you know i'm trying to learn the the, the you know the songs you like so i can connect with you I, I would make jokes like that that are bad but um you know and one time this kid really just was really frank and i think really helpful and he's like you know that i think sometimes it's, it's not that we don't think it's interesting we just don't we just don't know what to say And we see that even people like you or other people have studied for even longer, maybe don't even agree on some basic things. How are we to know? And I think that captures it. I was just reading this, uh, um, the um, physicist Carlo Rovelli, his book, The Order of Time. He makes exact same point that I had made before. So I feel very validated. But uh, where he says, you know, what happens to you when you grow up and you realize that the world is far different than you thought as a child?
0: Yeah.
1: Why would that not happen? on the level of humankind and mm-hmm. so we live at a time i'm just saying all this because i'm painting a very vast yeah. canvas here. Well, it,
0: just for helping people get a handle on it i think this is what is talking about when he talks about a world come of age i mean at least i think that's a mm-hmm. part of it that there's a there's a sense in which as a species as cultures as a people in the broadest sense in the most encompassing sense we are coming aware of the nature of our reality in ways that are dizzy, are overwhelming. You know, I, I had a dream just a few weeks ago, a, a, a nightmare, and there was some kind of like malevolent presence, like giving me this view. Uh, it's almost like a reverse zoom. So I'm kind of started out on my on me in the bed, and then slowly zoomed out, and just kept zooming out, and zooming out, and zooming out until I, I was seeing like something of the whole scope of the universe right mm. in, in dream state but like yeah. that level and there's this this kind of sinister laugh nothing was said but like what i sensed was and you think there's any kind of meaning to you or your life right like that that's a
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: a pretentious dream to have i mean i can't have it can't help that that's the one that came to me but <laughs> but, but that's what we're talking about right like on a yes. it almost like every level of our lives we're we're experiencing that either consciously or unconsciously all the time that we're just overmatched by the sheer scale of complexity and seeming indeterminacy if not meaningless of all things and and maximus is one of the theologians who has who seems up to that challenge right who seems up to don't be intimidated by it laugh in the face of that because this is the play of god
1: exactly and that's that i think is is, is about the best you know take I could give or agree with you on, in terms of why now you know in a bigger picture. I mean, it, like you said, it's it's anywhere you look. It's whether you look within uh, seriously, look within yourself, or you look uh, you know you look in psychology, you look in science, you look yeah. without, you look out. Any anywhere you look, any direction, it's an ever receding horizon. I mean, it's 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 always striking to me. I taught a course once on uh, belief and unbelief in like in the Enlightenment or modern era. And you know, very con- very self consciously, all of the major thinkers of the Enlightenment use right, like all the way back to Lessing, the educa- on the education of humankind, mm. right, in the sense of growing up. Yeah. The, meta- the dominant metaphor is growing up. Yeah. Now, of course, just like any twenty-year-old,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> um, that comes with a sort of false sense of maturity initially, right? <laughs> so you're very, you've got a lot of confidence. I go to college now. I'm you know I'm really competent. I'm invincible. And so, but that's part of growing up, right, is, is you move beyond the childish stage and almost to a, another sort of uh, false maturity, but then there's a far side to all of that as you grow older, and you look back to on those stages, right, and that keeps happening, keep reevaluating, and at some point, I think, individually and, and as a whole species, yeah, you just, you just look around and you say, you know, I, we don't know anything, we don't know anything. Mm-hmm. We don't know where we came from. We don't know where we're going. We don't know, and this is, and, and it's all just pieces on the ground, shattered. If there's, perhaps they're, they aren't even of the same picture. Maybe there is no coherent picture, et cetera, et cetera. And so, um, I, I think, I think that people respond to that differently both politically and theologically and in the church right yes, and yes. you can, you can become an ideologue one way or the other you can bury your head in the sand you can say no 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 there are no questions everything's been answered All oh, we have to do is go back in the past or you can look forward and say ah whatever you know let's just sort of discard everything in the past those are just two different ways to stop, to stop taking seriously what you might call the ever-receding horizon of every dimension and so I think what Maximus allows at least me to do what I hope people get a sense for through the book and, and and just really just reading him is is yes exactly what you said the synthesis by the way is Christ
0: yes yes he's he is the synthesis and the synthesizer right exactly he is the principle
1: of synthesis or of unity of all dis- there is absolutely no contrary that could not be brought together even as i kind of get to somewhat uh uh, you know i think for me it was baffling to really trace this in Maxus. but in the fourth chapter even you know say the the contrary between the cross and the incarnation of the cross and the resurrection our sin and our false self and the false world what we've done to this creation and the true creation which is incarnation and in all things even that great right the synthesis or i mean the disparateness between evil and good light and darkness can be And is overcome in the one word and Son of God, who is himself, as Maximus loves to say, he is himself the identity of the extremes, and he in himself comprises the interval between them.
0: Yeah.
1: That kind of so it's so it's both. I mean, synthesis then in many ways, right?
0: Right. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. On the
1: one hand, I mean, he has a synthetic mind, like it, it, just on the level of abstraction and theoretical precision, and the breadth of contemplative and even artistic vision. But I also mean he he focused the reason why he can what generates that the life force mm-hmm. or the spirit of that is the person of Christ who yep. is you know in later Christological tradition Constantinople too the hypostatic union is a hype is is a union according to synthesis is the greek word yeah. and that's that is synthesis is the is is the christ bringing together the disparate and even the ever-receding horizon which creates perhaps you might might imagine intervals which seemingly can't be brought together certainly not in space time as we can understand it right now but they can be brought together in this this dimension called the person of the word no yeah. right who is in all things and is all things which colossians 3 11 has already told us we just we just forget about it
0: yeah and, and that i mean as we wind down i mean i think that's the thing i want to stress is that there's nothing maximus says no matter how supposedly hyperbolic doxological or otherwise there's nothing he says that is as daring As what's already in our New Testament, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what's already there in Colossians or Hebrews or Ephesians. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the the, what's startling is how rarely we take seriously what's actually in our texts. Right. Yes. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Right. Mm -hmm. That Abraham rejoiced to see my day. That before Abraham was, I am, and, and so on, and so on, and so on, right? That your life is hidden with Christ in God, or what happens with Mary. I mean, as you know, like, Maximus's account of the synthesis of Christ is one that already includes Mary as the one in whom opposites coincide, right? I mean, yes. The virgin mother. Yep. So, like, that, that sense of Christ as everything and everything, all in all, I... Yeah, I don't think we can overstate it. I don't know if you've read Ian McGilchrist or not, Master and His Emissary or the late the newer book, whose the title is slipping my mind right now. But that's the one I'm reading. It's multi- multi multi-volume, massive work. Rowan Williams had recommended it, so Mm -hmm. I I had grabbed it. But and I'm way oversimplifying, but he argues that the human left brain, right brain experience is essentially it requires us to know how to synthesize and that we have to have imagination to do that well. Mm-hmm. And that what we know of as the modern or contemporary West, quote unquote, has lost that capacity. It's it's dominated by left brain orientation. And and therefore it's kind of law. All it can see are the threads on the floor. Like it cannot mm-hmm. imagine anymore a tapestry that kind of draws all that together. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing and what you're showing us that Maximus was doing and what Maximus is showing gregory was doing and what gregory is showing us the gospel of john was doing is in fact holding all that together and that jesus is the one in whom and through whom and for whom all of that happened so maybe we can kind of draw that down i see it there in origin i see it in ariugena too but we'll have another conversation about them just kind of draw us to a close with a reflection on maybe a particular passage in maximus where you see him kind of accomplishing that and it can be even that, that line that is the through line for the book, if you want, that in all things he wills, right, to accomplish, actualize his incarnation. But whatever passage you'd like, give us a, a read of a particular portion so- that shows how this is done. So
1: actually, I, I would love that there's a, yeah, obviously there's several I'd love to go to, but the one I think that might actually make most sense in a way, or kind of get to to the heart quickest, is one that comes in the, the fifth chapter of the mystagogy. Mm. And that, um, which is, by the way, just that's a text where Maximus is kind of giving a, a sort of theological commentary, a reflection on the liturgy and the church building, and just kind of, kind of like, what a what, what catholics call mass or, or eastern eastern would call the divine liturgy all the different aspects of it architecturally the procession the order of the service all that um and he says but he has this moment in in the fifth chapter where actually he's he's um reflecting on matthew 25 hmm. whatever you've done to the least of these The poor ones right you you have you have done to me Mm -hmm. again another text this is great because it's another text where you just read it like oh okay yeah yeah so in other words you know help poor 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 people (laughs) like that's the you know um no well that's yes yes do that but that is but but what is the premise of that command yeah yeah because what you did to them you do to me yeah not not you uh you sully my reputation not you anger me emotionally uh from a distance right not i'm hovering above you about ready to slap your hand because you didn't or whatever it's it's the reason why you do it to the poor person yes it's out of love for them as you learn from first john but it's also because they are and are destined and are at all and because they are destined to be members of christ they are destined to be christ as maximus says in that ambiguum you 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 said it earlier in 21 that we will become as he says if it, if the idea is not too burdensome for some to hear we will become <laughs> the lord himself
0: yes right uh
1: now because we gotta,
0: because we are being woven into him right being made yes members of him. The,
1: the entire cosmos is the body of
0: christ he says that the
1: universe is the body of christ the world is the body of christ the church is the body of christ the eucharist all of these things individually and collectively are his body. Now they're becoming his body as well. Obviously, there's right. dimension there. And if you want to get into all the details of that, you can read the book. But um, but I think what's amazing about this chapter in mystic isn't just that, it isn't just that he notices that Matthew 25 has as you said, has already said something that is right there, what you do to them. And we could have gone to right Acts nine, where Saul is told Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? me. Yeah. Not those that like me or believe in me or my followers, but me. Uh, we could go to Colossians 1.24, which I still happen to think uh, does ref- reference Paul's filling up the sufferings of Christ's body and in in himself. Yeah. Um, we could go all to that, but what Maximus goes on to say, he's so hyper-conscious of what he's saying, right? Because what we're talking about here is a great interval, a seeming opposition, not just human beings and God or create Mm. a creature and creator but the poor person yes fragile the broken the weak the forgotten the many 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 faceless people that you never read about in history he says and what maximus says he says and if the poor man is god and then he stops and in the translation you have to do a dash and you say god himself says this
0: yes yes i know
1: (laughs) and that right there like you know, I I just have to like stop there. I got chills when I first read it. It's not done there, by the way. But he says, but he's say he's saying it all right there, right? He's saying yes. your actions, your your ethics, what you do, all of it is premised on this very mysterious but utterly real. In fact, the most real truth about anything, which is that it's all Christ. And by the way, Colossians one twenty seven already said that the mystery of Christ right. is Christ in you. That's what it said. Yeah. Um, And as I said, Colossians 3.11 says the same thing about all things. Christ is all things and in all things. And so, um, and he's, but what did it take for us to see that it took God himself becoming, not just telling us that what you do to the least of these you do to me, but becoming the poor man hanging on the tree. Yeah. And we see, we see in fact, right before your eyes, right? I portrayed before you nothing except Christ crucified, right? We see before our eyes, the God man, Mm -hmm. we see before our eyes, the opposites being overcome because he is the synthesis. Right. And that, and he's a synthesis, not just there in that moment, in that time, he is the synthesis, which allows anything to exist at all and towards which all things will find their rest. Right. You know, I got, I got to just, I want you to finish.
0: I got to, I got to throw in George McDonald, there's this line I can't remember where it is right now, but but he he makes this point that I think it's in one of the unspoken sermons that Jesus never speaks in metaphor. And I remember when I first read that, I thought, "What? What do you mean? Like, what, what is that? What you mean? <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: not what I <laughs> learned in hermeneutics.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly no, it's certainly not what I learned. But I I think this is what he means this this point right here that with Jesus, there's no as if. It's not as if Jesus is saying. <laughs> It's when you mistreat the poor person, it is as if you were mistreating me. Right, exactly. Because Jesus is, his relation to us is not as one thing among many. He's not an exemplar. He's not the standout who is among us as the one we all imitate. He is the source and guide and goal of all of our being. And that means there are no as ifs with him. He doesn't, when he says, I am the bread of life, that's not a metaphor. Or at least it's not only a metaphor. Yes. There is some way in which the reality of life itself, of bread, the sharing of bread, nutrition, nurture, sustenance—all of that receives its reality from Him. So when He says, "I am the bread of life," He means it actually, right? Yes. And so down the line.
1: Yes, and that that actually is perfect because later in that in that text, based on what I just said, right, and what you just said, that kind of that's the framework. He can say in the twenty-fourth chapter of that same work, he can say that the word mystically suffers in all who suffer in proportion to the amount that they suffer. In mm-hmm. other words, he says something that, by the way, the martyrdom—the martyrdom of Perpetual Felicity—already said, and not not to mention the New Testament, yep. which is when Felicity, right, is being taunted by her uh, her, her guard or her Roman, whoever the centurion or whoever because she's diff- having difficulty uh, you know, giving early labor here because it's a fulfillment of her prayer she wants to die with the rest of her companions so she they won't kill her if she's pregnant so she wants to have the kid early so she can be martyred and he's taunting her saying basically if you can't get through this what's going to happen to you whenever you go through the beast and she says when i fight the beast uh, there will be one with me and in me who will suffer with me yeah. so that's there that's straight from the new testament we already know that that is exactly what maximus says in the 24th chapter that he's su- but he's not just with martyrs but with anyone with all yeah he suffers in all the what they suffer and it's not just so that you can feel good about well at least i'm not alone in this it's because the the sufferings of the son of god are as saint cyril said life-giving sufferings They implant the principle, if you will, the principle of resurrection and of the overcoming and of restoration of all things in the one who suffers. Yes. And so he is once again in you. And Paul is in labor until Christ be formed in you, like born in you. All all these things are, they're not just metaphors and they're not just images. These are true. I mean, let's remember metaphor versus literal. These are two abstractions. Yeah, they depend on each other in order to differentiate themselves from one another. And and it presumes that we even know what we mean when we make that division. Mm -hmm. I think we know initially what we mean, but what ultimately is true, is it literal or is it metaphorical? Or is it something that's a synthesis that can be neither alone because it's more than both on their own.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that I think is the truth. And it's, and it's, it's the person of Christ And the true expression, of the substance of that is the ecstatic, even the erotic, the infinite love of the three persons, which alone is the substance of creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to 71, right. That's (laughs) how he interprets Dionysius's God's divine ecstasy going out of himself in creation, right? He says, yes, that's exactly what it is. And it's the play of the word. That's what he adds, which is the incarnation always and in all things. Yes that entire thing. That's the synthesis. It isn't an abstract at the end of the day, right? It's not an abstract synthesis that falls more on the metaphorical side or the literal side it, because a person is neither metaphor nor literal. Yeah. Right. Neither is love. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's no, man, I, I, I think, I, I think um, that's exactly right. I think
0: <laughs> uh, two two notes to add and I'll give you the last word. One is I I I think we need to keep repeating the point that what maximus sees the new testament saying is that nothing happens to jesus but what he wants to happen differently for us right so that whatever jesus undergoes he's creatively he's suffering it right he's he's submitted to it happening to him only in order to alter what it is right so he's baptized to make the waters holy he dies in order to put death to death and so on down the line right that Nothing happens to him, what, what he wants to happen differently for us, and nothing happens to anyone or anything that's not taken up as his own, right? So yes. any, anything that's ever happened to anyone, however forgotten and lost they may be, however abused or marginalized they may be, that's not lost on him, right? He not only sees it. It is his experience, and I think that yes. that's what I hear in the Christ is the poor man. God is the poor man. In fact, I think you can make the case that that's what's happening in Matthew when Jesus says, the poor you have with you always, and at the end of the gospel, I am with you always. Mm-hmm. The reason he knows that the poor are with you always is that he will be with us always, mm-hmm. and the way he is with us is in those who suffer most, right? Those mm-hmm. who are most at the mercy of the world and its gone wrongness. And so I think the only way we can get at that though is not by growing up so much as growing down mm-hmm. into the childlikeness that Mary gives him, right? That that and that he makes for himself in, in her. And that that kind of childlike play, right? That I think marks Maximus Aquinas too in in a in a different way at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Groton Gruten that I've been reading, we talked about the other day. Like I think there's there's something about those who give themselves to to prayer and study and have the grace to do it over the long haul. What they come to is childlikeness. And yes. that in that childlike wonder and openness to the wonderful, we start to get a glimpse of how God can hold all of this together. It, that is beyond us. Like it it can't enter into our hearts and minds what God has prepared but we can in this childlike way kind of give ourselves to the mystery of it without assuming that it's meaningless, right? That there, there is a wholeness and integrity to what God is making. So I'll give you the last word on that for yeah. now. We'll, we'll record later. I want to talk more about how, <laughs> how Eugenia works with all of this. Cause I'm, I'm fascinated by him as well, but, yeah we well I mean no
1: about. no no there's there's so much here to talk about but and i would i' love i'd love to come back and talk more about any of this but um yeah just a just a quick note on the hero Eugenia thing i mean it connects he was quote. i was just reading him a little bit ago quoting ambiguum forty two which which is also it proves your point or at least illustrates your point in maximus where maximus even says that that the words birth from the body was in order to free us from the strictures that follow with being born from the bodies now what those are right you know uh (laughs) i uh i try to detail them in in the in the fourth chapter of my book but um yeah and it's uh it's exactly what you're saying it's that principle of um it's actually an amazing uh, for me mind-blowing and mind-bending idea that there is nothing that i there's a total symmetry it's that symmetry in chalcedon but he's Perfectly God, perfectly human, consubstantial with the Father, consubstantial with us, born of the Father before all ages, born in these latter times from His mother. That what that means is that since He Himself is as it were on both sides of the apparent divide, He yeah. is the same yet today, yesterday, forever. So by the way, He's the same, right, even through time, which is which is why time can move at all. Right.
0: see right? that's the point right there. That yes. time is what it is because He is living it. Right, He's and making that, time. Exactly. And that
1: in that ambiguum, by the way, the 21 that you were, you uh, really, he says, he has this fascinating uh, phrase where he says, the word is present to us as the present is to the future. Mm. And it's this sort of sense where he's already, as it were, to speak kind of a little bit strangely, he's already in the future, he's already future, mm-hmm. but he's already now, just like you are. And he is the link, therefore. Yep. Pulling those things together. Anyway, Maximus has wild speculations about time and stuff that I get into a little bit too. But but the, I think that what we come back to in the at the end is exactly what you said, which is that there is there is nothing that I experience that is something that is somehow alien to the word himself. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that he experienced it, in fact, was the condition, or at least the possibility, it made the pos- made it possible for me to experience it anyway. Even, and I think most profoundly, even our rejection of him. Mm-hmm. There's something in the uh, in a lot of the Eastern churches that I've gone to that's kind of amazing. Now, all of them have this, but you know the iconostasis there, in the middle of that big screen, and then behind it is where a lot of the service goes, and then they bring you know they bring out the the. Uh, yeah the bread of life you know right the, through it and so but but above that in some of these churches there's sort of like a great dome and, and mary's sort of up there and so it kind of gives the the whole shape of like mary's womb to the whole nave right yeah. Yeah. and so all this stuff this stuff is, is happening uh within uh mary's womb because of course the word is within her and it was but another additional thing i haven't seen in all the churches but i have seen some that's amazing to me is that sometimes on above the iconostasis you got a picture of the the last supper well guess who's at the last supper and mm-hmm. guess who's depicting doing what judas
0: yeah
1: so it's an amazing thing like like artistically or in, in terms of imagery which seems to be committing that even the betrayal of the word of god does not happen outside of the word of god mm-hmm his depths, like you said before, right? Yeah. We be, we must become smaller. I mean, that there is just the words of John the Baptist. I must recede. He must increase, yeah. Yeah. and that's because when you recede, you'll find he's gone far than you could ever imagine in that direction too. Yeah. That is what makes him great,
0: and th- and that is what Baltasar does get. Like if, if nothing else in Baltasar, he gets this point. He absolutely
1: does. I mean, he's the one who says right that you can you can run in any direction, no matter how far, you will always find yourself running into the arms of the Lord. Yeah. Um, totally right you know, into the far country, and so, yep. um, so I, yeah, and so I, I think, I think what, here's maybe a final point to, to land on, um, and it, I think ties some of this up, it's actually a false choice to think that the only way we can find profound peace, calm, and security amidst the chaos is either by mastering it with our intellect, or by giving up on it as if it really has yeah. no meaning at all and there's nothing there to master mm. what you need is what we normally i think what we deeply mean by faith yeah which according to hebrews 11 is the epostasis of things yeah. Ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which which maximus sort of plays with and thinks well why, why wouldn't that Hipostasis be the hypothesis of the son himself yeah. in you
0: he is faith, yeah he
1: is faith, he is this he he and Mary became the seed of his own birth, and he does the same in you through faith yeah. and and so what your job is to do through the Christian life is to allow the Word of God to be born in you, and this whole thing is exactly that the letting go right the and so what you can do is you can find the peace that transcends understanding because you realize that however the details work out and the mechanisms and the things we've yet to understand, et cetera, et cetera, and the ever receding horizon, you already know that there is no depths that, w- that the horizon will reveal or magnitude that the, the horizon will reveal in any direction, in any domain that isn't already the word himself yep. who is in you. Yeah, That's the beginning, I think, of finding a kind of sober head, a calmness, the peace of the mystics and the contemplatives in a world which is otherwise quite dizzying and paralyzing
0: right absolutely man that's a good word thank you for this jordan i think that is exactly the place to stop for now but we'll we'll pick it up again soon okay great thank you chris yeah.